Greetings, my friends. I've got an intro before the intro to let you know about a few things regarding this episode. First of all, it's a long one. So if you get into this episode and you think, I really want more of it, in the plus extension that's exclusive to Patreon subscribers, Clint, our guest today, actually went an extra hour practically. Maybe not a full two hours, but basically this was a three-hour show. But if you're on the free version of the show, you're just going to hear the first hour and my outro. So there's that. Second of all, I did have some technical difficulties on my end that I didn't realize were happening during the recording. So bear with me when you hear me speak in this episode if it's a little rough sounding and choppy. I still think it's understandable, but I got to get off the uh, software that I've been using for a while. It's gotten taken a turn for worse and I have found a different solution. But for this episode, some issues in the quality on my side. Luckily, I barely even speak because Clint is just a nonstop flow machine who powers through all kinds of information just off the top of his head. He wasn't looking up references that that much during this episode. He is an encyclopedia of the topics that we are going to be getting into. And the third and most important caveat that I want to get out in front of everybody with is that we're going to be talking about the Bible in this episode, about God and about nature. And we need to be careful not to get all divided over some of these terms. So first of all, the Bible thing. If you are a person that is prone to being uh, freaked out by someone talking about the Bible or you really hate it, as a lot of people do, especially because of what religions have done to society, understandable. Please be open-minded to this conversation and realize what we're trying to discuss about the Bible being the book of law that, that the legal system's based off of. Regardless of what you think about the Bible, just be open to that idea if you've never heard that idea. And then for people on the other side of the polarity, if you need the Bible to be literally true, a historical story that needs to be believed in for salvation. This episode is going to be tough for you. I respect your opinion to want to believe that or to think you need to believe that. I'm not here to tell you to throw away your opinion, but I'm going to ask you to be open-minded in this conversation to the idea that maybe what's being described in the Bible is allegorical and maybe you can actually get more of a connection to God slash nature through the Bible by realizing the allegory that is trying to present to you. So be open to that. I don't want this to be a episode that pisses off either type of person, the literalist or the atheist. I think that this is actually the common ground that's going to unite us if we can be open-minded to it. So the other, the, the last thing now that I'm talking in this pretty long pre-intro intro is the, the God word. So when we're talking about God, we're talking about nature in this conversation. So we got to define these terms so people don't get upset, right? Right. So nature is something that exists. It's self-evident. We don't have to argue about whether or not nature exists. So if you want to consider God to be the masculine spiritual component that animates nature and nature to be the physical vessel and component of matter that the spirit enters into, the goddess and the God, that's fine. Whenever... We talk about the Jehovah word in this conversation. Just take it as your ability to understand what the cosmos is, what the universe is, what the totality of all things is. doesn't have to be supernaturalized or spiritualized. We're literally talking about the forces of nature. And so on the gender side of things, don't get like, don't think we're dissing the goddess by the, using the word God. <laughs> we're not. So 
I, I don't like that I have to be so sensitive to try to smooth this stuff over before the beginning of the show, but I think it's such important information. I would just hate it if any of you out there were cruising along through this conversation, hit one of these roadblocks of talking about the Bible or talking about God, and you're like, I'm out. They're talking about this stuff that I hate. So, all right. <laughs> With all that being said, I'm going to go into the the real intro for the show, and thanks for listening. And don't forget, if you want the three-hour version instead of the, the one-hour version, get on patreon.com slash interverse and subscribe. And here we go. There's a universe inside each of us. The Interverse Podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garten, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all, our lives. Welcome to the one within all back to Interverse, and thank you for joining us because as you're about to witness, this episode is going to be covering some of the most important and empowering information you can discover in your entire life. One of the earliest topics I ever brought to bear in conversation on this podcast way back in the day was the question, what is the matrix and who are we in truth? In a lot of ways, I've been continuing to pursue these questions in my personal life and on the show week by week. But the real question of what is the invisible prison that constrains us has never quite been answered. Why does it resonate so deeply for all of us to think about the metaphor of a digitally simulated reality that we plug into unaware of its deep artificiality? Why is it seeming like the digital construct that we exist within is taking over more and more of our life every year, especially in 2020? Why are we so disconnected from nature and why has society fallen so far away from truth? Our guest for this episode has also been chasing the answers to these questions and lucky for us, he's been able to find some real answers. And the essence of this story is found in the intersection between natural law, which is the reality of nature and the legal fiction of man. I'm honored and excited to introduce the living soul known by men and women as Clint Richardson. He's the author of a truly enlightening book called The Straw Man Story, which you can find and read for free at www.strawmanstory.info. It's the tale of your mental enslavement and commercial commodification, all done without your consent from the onset of your emergence into this realm at the point that your birth certificate was signed and the world of fiction begins shaping your mind. We've talked before on the show about how imagination has been hijacked to bring our creative manifestation abilities to bear against our own highest good by restricting what we believe to be possible and constricting our connection to nature into a narrow band of recreational experiences with no access to the deep, universally harmonic flow state that our original divine nature can innately access. But to get back to that level of deep integration with the truth of all that is, we must first learn the language of mankind's masters and free our minds of the belief in such falsities. So I first heard Clint speak about this stuff that we're going to be covering today on a podcast episode from our new friend Crow777 a couple years back. And the realizations that I attained through listening to that convo elevated me into a powerful spiritual experience that I hope to recreate in some capacity for you all today. So without further delay, let's hop right into it and maximize our chat with the living man roaming free on the land, the warrior of wisdom himself, Clint, the author of The Straw Man Story. Thanks for being here, man, and welcome to Interverse. 
I appreciate it. But uh, let me just correct you right there. Freeman, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here as a fellow slave, right? I want, I want everybody to know and understand that I'm not telling you to do anything that I've done. I'm not telling you to, uh, I'm not telling you to follow me as an example in any way, shape, or form. All I am is a messenger. I, I went down and I, I decided I'd be a full-time researcher, and I started looking for the truth. I joined the so-called truth movement thinking that it was seeking truth and found out that it's quite different, that it has its own mythology and history. And of course, history is, is absolutely paramount in uh, retaining any type of system or any type of group, right? So you wouldn't have the United States without its history, meaning the founding fathers and the constitution and all that stuff. So to, to be clear, I'm stuck in this 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 madness, and as you say, the matrix, uh, as much as anybody else is. However, I have figured out how it works. I've figured out the system of law that that uh, you know that that uh, that governs it, and therefore governs you because you participate in it. And and when I say you, or when I refer to anybody, and my point here by starting off with that is to say that when I refer to you or to anybody out there, I'm referring to myself just as much as, uh, as uh, anyone else. Um, anyone who does tell you they are free, I'm, you know, <laughs> I've, I've spoken to most of them and I can guarantee you that there is no freedom out there. And there's a reason for that, and that's because of this sort of, again, sort of this patriotic mythology that we all have. Uh, we, I apologize, my my kitty got in here, and uh, he's going to be uh, doing that probably the rest of the show. But there's there's a there's a sense of freedom, and and as Go, as Gautier says, um, uh, those who falsely believe they are free are the most enslaved. And that turned out to be a very true statement. The more free you believe you are, the less you turn out to be because you start believing in these institutions of freedom and you start believing in these institutions of democracy and all these different things to the point where you actually believe that somehow voting for rulers equals freedom or that democracy, which is the worst possible state you could be in, in any system, according to every author, according to even the, the, the people who started this country, democracy is the worst place you can possibly be. Thus, what you have and what you hear all the time is your leaders from every country who have turned to this horrible thing called democracy which I've covered in my latest shows, by the way, um, you, you have the, the we're going to spread freedom and democracy. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you heard the president or some other country, some other prime minister or whatever appointed by, by some ruler, um, basically say we're, we're, you know, hoo-ha, we're going to spread freedom and democracy. You hear it all the time. If you're listening, but what happens when you 
define the terms. What happens when you say, okay, well, what do they mean by freedom and democracy? Because first, let's take freedom. Okay, am I free? No. I'm still acting as a person of the United States, a property of the United States. Is that freedom? Well, actually, yes. In legal language, that's called freedom. When you are subject and completely under the law of another, that is called freedom. Because in legalese, freedom is defined as franchise. So if I'm, if I'm say a mother or excuse me, if I'm say I'm a McDonald's, I'm a, I'm a person called McDonald's, a corporation. I have the franchise of being under the mother corporation that created the person McDonald's. So it's the head corporation. And I'm just a franchise of that. See, that's what I am. I am a franchise. That's what you are. That's what anybody using any identity and benefit and anything else of the United States. I am a property, a franchise of the United States, which is in Washington, D.C. Only in Washington, D.C. You have 50 states you have what's called the States United or United States, and then you have this corporation called United States. Not even the, it's just United States. That's how it's listed in court documents. And that is a municipal corporation outside of any of the 50 states. So it's completely private and separate, in other words, foreign from every state. So what happens? To put it in a nutshell so that we can have a basis of understanding is when our – so if we go back to the Emancipation Proclamation where you had all these slaves who were – their status was slave. They did not have uh, – the they weren't considered as having the rights of what they would call white citizens. Now, <laughs> this is not something I want to get into, but white actually means pure blood according to genealogical or family record. So in other words, they could not prove that they were part of the kings of England, basically that big family line that is the vampire of the entire, the only true racist there is, is he or she who rules by being the head of their freaking race, the family, because race means family, you see? So this whole thing about Black Lives Matter and all this stuff that's going on right now, their stated purpose in Black Lives Matter is to destroy the nuclear family, is to destroy the idea of relating and holding your family and your family values, you, you know, the things that, 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 that made me who I am. Their whole goal is to destroy that and, you know, bring in that communitarian type of, of system, communism, socialism, you name it, it's all built into communitarianism. So you go back to the slave period and the Emancipation Proclamation. What that did was that it said, okay, you private people of the state can no longer own slaves, right? 
the privilege of owning slaves is going to be transferred nationally to the United States. All right, that's why the 13th Amendment says uh, that voluntary servitude and voluntary slavery, there's nothing illegal about it. All it says is involuntary slavery, right? So what they did is they opened the United States to all these slaves after they said you can't you can't hold slaves anymore after the war right and according to that 14th amendment and all the, where they started defining this new form of citizenship all of a sudden the black or tainted blood people could have this lowest possible form of citizenship which we call freedom or franchise in the legal setting all right they didn't they weren't set free they were incorporated into that corporation which is what my whole latest book is about which i just got finished reading and putting up on my uh on my own youtube channel it's a free uh, audio video book that explains the whole concept of incorporation why it's so important to understand what a corporation is and what it means for you as a man male or female to be incorporated okay because what that means what it means to be a united states citizen in washington dc it means that your soul or your spirit which are the same words and if you want to understand what the spirit is you just have to think of hey that kid's got spirit you know the spirit behind uh the, the spirit behind his words or the spirit behind his actions, that is your actual soul. That is what the the church would never tell you this because the church wants you to think your soul is something that, that's going to be rewarded and go to heaven or or be burned because you didn't obey the church doctrine. It has nothing to do with the Bible. Okay, So your spirit or your soul, when you look up these terms, you try to understand them in the ancient languages – the concordances and the lexicons, you got to understand that your spirit and your mind and your body is what makes you a true free man. Because your spirit, or in other words, spirituality, the spiritual law, the unwritten sort of self-evident law of God, as we say, or Jehovah, um, it was a God-given rights, right? Inherent rights and all that stuff. All that stuff we give up to be a United States citizenship. That is taken away through incorporation. Because once you incorporate yourself or become a citizen of the United States or any nation, you become soul. Your soul is separated from your mind. That way... You can be governed or have government. Now remember, government is mind control. Gouverneur is government. There's, there's to govern or to steer. And ment is mentis. Without the spirit, we are all governed through uh, the legal law, the written law, the, the basically the Roman law, which, uh, which we call the U.S. Code. Um, we give up all rights. None of us, this is the part that people have to understand. None of us have 
so-called constitutional rights because we're not part of the states. We're emancipated into the United States. How does that happen? That's what the birth certificate is for. You see, because they didn't just end the emancipation process with the so-called black, uh, again, that means tainted blood to them. It means tainted blood. Right? They didn't just end it there. They said, well, we're also going to give this, this lowest possible class of citizenship or status to, which means person, we're going to give a person to everyone else if they volunteer. In other words, as the 13th Amendment says, voluntary slavery is perfectly legal. It's only involuntary slavery that was taken away as a right of the private people of each state, the landholders, right? The plantation owners, of which very few so-called white people were even a part of, and they were all parts of these uh, royal families, right? So what you have through the birth certificate process, <clears throat> we, we are registered or taxed. We are put into the United States as our domicile, and a domicile pretty much means where our foundation of law comes from, right? We are put as residents, not domicile, but resident in the state, because that's where we're born technically in the geographical sense, which means that the state law or the private law is secondary. And if you go to U.S. code, you'll always find that state law is considered color of law or lower than U.S. code or U.S. law because the states gave that away and because they ceded a lot of that, in other words, and because, hey, guess what? <laughs> Your parents abandoned you. In other words, they abandoned the property rights of you through the birth certificate you were then made a ward of the state or of the United States, which is, again, this corporation in Washington, D.C. Your soul, your ability to do anything was stripped from you, and you are controlled strictly because you're not acting spiritually. You're not allowing the law of nature, which is just a term that, that is synonymous with the law of God, God and nature, uh, mean the same thing, and we'll explain that I I in a bit. Um, basically, what has happened to us all without our understanding and without our knowledge and really without our consent, um, and I, I cl I'll clarify that too, um, we've been essentially the same thing that happened to those slaves. In their case, they went up in status all of us that are thrown into this birth certificate of process across the world, put into these corporations that look like and appear like the rest of the country, but are actually this little corporation foreign from everything else. And then they unite into the United Nations and you have this big control system through the birth certificate process. So you have everybody registered to Caesar, which means district, the district of Columbia, right? The district of wherever you're from, whatever country, it doesn't matter. We all have the same social security system over 140 something countries 
are part of the international social security system. It's a very important part of tracking and uh, it gives you a benefit so that you're always in contract. So many things that go with this to keep you in confirmation and consent to it. So when you go to the delivery room, delivery, when you look up delivery, the reason they call it that is because it means abandonment. It means literally to abandon something. For instance, when, when a store delivers a product to you, you've paid for the product, it's delivering, it's abandoning its property rights to you by delivering it to you. That's why they call it a delivery. Also, I'll just right? say that the word deliver, if you just break that apart, it, that has a lot of significance too, symbolically. Deliver. Sure. Well, look up, look up. It's livery, actually, which is a whole, you know, you can, all these words, again, they have this legal meaning. And the, the point I'm trying to make here is that every word that you know, every word that I thought I knew has a dualistic opposing meaning in the legal language. They don't teach us slaves. <laughs> and I can say slaves wholeheartedly, uh, those who believe they are free but are not, right? Um, I can say that word without blinking, without even considering that I'm wrong. or Because once you get all these terms under your belt, you compare it with, uh, with other things, which we'll get into, um, yeah, you, you you have no doubt. You really come off your high horse. You really come down a notch, which means you're getting you know you're getting rid of that ego and coming down to the level of being somewhere more down to earth because you you understand what happened. You understand that. Uh, I mean, most people don't know this history. For instance, before the Civil War started. The 13th Amendment, the real 13th Amendment, the first 13th Amendment was actually, and it's very well documented, just nobody teaches it or talks about it, was actually because Abraham Lincoln was a real bastard who supported slavery and did not want to end slavery in any way, according to his speeches. He, uh, they passed, before the Civil War, the fighting actually broke out. They passed the 13th Amendment, which said slavery was now legal and un, un, unregulated by government. They actually, I mean, we, we have a history under us that is so amazing to me because that first 13th Amendment basically said that slavery is now, okay, it's like, it's like we give up, we're about to have a war. Uh, this is our our way of satiating the the southern states because we all we're this giant corporation now and we depend on each other and trust me when I say that the northerners depended on slavery way more than the southerners did because they got the they re reaped the product of the south right without those slaves that wouldn't have been happening so you had the north therefore. Basically, the, the presidency, the executive passing this, these, uh, and the Congress passing this uh, 13th Amendment that said slavery is now, is now unregulated in states, you know, that want it, basically. They left it up to the states. So we have a very, very, from that point, 
We have a very, very different history that's about to unfold, right? And then as soon, almost as soon as they started ratifying, and it was ratified in a couple states, this original 13th Amendment, as soon as that was started to be ratified, then and only then did the war start happening because the Confederate states, uh, completely opposite of history, Confederate states were against uh, freeing the slaves because they knew that the slaves would not have any kind of status. They could be, they were, they're actually protecting them by keeping them slaves. And that's a really tough subject to, to speak about. Um, but I, again, it's, it's all covered in all my research, but the, the point I'm trying to make is we had a very, very different history that happened. The fighting broke out, the civil war happened. And then after the civil war, then they passed this opposite 13th amendment, which did the same thing, but it put it in a way that it's voluntary. So, so now what you have after the 18, the, or the mid 1800s is you have a system of old feudal tenure, basically the feudal system brought back through this voluntary act of abandoning the property or your parental rights to your child, putting them through the birth certificate, which is registration into the United States as their domicile. They're no longer part of the free people which are under and protected by the constitution. So none of us, and I say this like a, you know, like a, like a, you know, talking to children because everybody refers to the Constitution as the source of their rights, and that is the point where I said, "Well, wait a minute. How can a piece of paper be the source of my rights? That paper didn't exist. What was the source of people's rights before that?" What, 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 how did we get into this idea that our so-called rights, of which we have none in, in reality, how did we, how did they go from God-given rights, which they list, unalienable rights, rights that come from, as they say, God or Jehovah, how did we go from that to suddenly believing, well, I have the constitutional right to do this, right? What that did for the voluntary slave who was abandoned by their parents, all of us were, and we abandoned our own children, and we threw them into the United States to be subjects in franchise, i.e. freedom, what that did was it gave this false sense of security. Well, I'm, I'm, we're, we're constant, we're Americans. Well, no, you're not. You're a United States citizen. If you were Americans, you'd be part of the land. You'd be part of the entirety of this freaking continent that's listed off in 50 different states. Or, see, here's the thing state means people. I don't know what you think a state is. But when they got together and they said, we, the people, they actually deliberated. And you can look that up. They deliberated. Should we say we the states or we the people? Because they're the same thing. 
we're private people who form a state and we uh, we get permission from the union, which they call the States United or the United States, uncapitalized. It's not a corporation. It's a union. It's an agreement, in other words. And then you have this corporate structure that takes the name of United States and pretends to be the same thing, tricks every. It's just this amazing thing. And if you want to understand how, you know, how this, why it was, this is this the Matrix? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's it's a false sort of system, uh, uh, as you said, digital. Which, if you think about the word digital, what does that mean? Made of digits. What is the matrix? It is a system that you can actually see. And what you're seeing are digits, language that makes up a simulation, right? So if we were to say, why is there no spoon? Well, why, why? Can you answer? Did that movie enlighten you? Because, see, in my opinion, that movie deceived people more than it enlightened people. It actually did not ever tell you what the Matrix really is. It didn't tell you how to get out of it. In fact, it ended the first movie by keeping people in it and trying to make them happier in their own enslavement. Right? Isn't that how it ended? Did it have a happy ending? The third movie ended too. In the third movie, they decide to keep everybody in the Matrix because the real world is just too messed up, man, (laughs) or whatever. And there's a lot to do with this idea of an identity versus your actual natural, who you are as a soul, living soul. And when that word breaks into id entity, an id entity, it's it's amazing. And then the birth certificate thing, to go back to that for just one. addition to that uh, idea is you have the sole of the baby's foot stamped for the birth certificate in most places. And that's like the first thing that happens. And after the cord is cut and just think about symbolically that language, your soul is before it touches land, your soul is touching this piece of paper, this document that ensures you to be uh, enfranchised in this way and grants you your digital identity. Yeah, and digital identity is actually one of the main goals of of the United Nations, um, to get everybody identity. What is identity? Well, the reason I just went through all of that is because what that intensively creates is a person. Okay, now we have the key operating word. What is a person? Now, you're going to talk to people who are going to say, oh, there's whole books written on persons. You look at a definition for person, it's three pages long or 10 pages long. You're never going to understand what a person is. It's real simple. It's real simple, straight out of the court documents. Once you see it enough times, you start to understand. What has been created is, for all intents and purposes, the same thing that you see in the matrix, a self, uh, what's the term that they use? Self, uh, I can't remember, but the, it's like your image, right? Your idol. And they call that a person and all person means is status. So you've been given a 
person, a persona, which persona in the Latin means a mask. You've been given a mask to wear that says, I am a United States citizen, and therefore I can do this. I can't do this. I do this. I have no spirit guiding me whatsoever. In other words, I, the, once you become a United States citizen, religion is illegal. Uh, spiritual and, and the law of nature becomes illegal. Everything that has to do with the spiritual side of things becomes illegal because otherwise you could not possibly have a system of law such as we have the legal system um, because it's, it's in every way. And this was the mind blowing thing for me of all mind blowers is when I discovered that every time I looked at the legal law, I would see some reference to the Bible. And I hated the Bible. I despised the Bible. The religion to me was I hated the Bible like so many people out there. Right now, you're thinking, oh, shit, he's going to talk about the Bible. He's already said God two times. Oh, if he says Jesus, I'm turning this off, right? Have you ever thought about why you have that reaction? What if I were to tell you that the secrets to the matrix are in the Bible, that everything that you think is an original idea is in the Bible. Every possible, what we call the law of nature, comes straight from the Bible, and every maxim of law that is a good thing, that protects you from exactly what I'm talking about, is from the Bible. Why do you think that we collectively, as this group of franchised slaves, voluntary slaves, what's the best way to keep a slave? What is one of the most necessary ways to keep a slave? You never, ever, rule number one, you never teach a slave your language. A slave can never, ever speak your language or he becomes your equal. Once he understands the terms that you've put him under, once, he un once the slaves know the language, you cannot control them with it anymore because suddenly you have the ability to stand up using their terms against them. Terms and conditions, man. <laughs> And they call those terms of art. That is the uh, terms delay in the French, terms this in, in other countries. Because art, art is everything that is not of nature. In other words, not of God. And that's where we have to now transition over into what is the Bible? Why is the Bible considered in Pennsylvania to be still part of the common law. Why, and in the United States, why is the Bible the common law of England? And why was the Bible therefore transferred over as the common law of, of um, United States, the States United, right? The free people. Australia too, and probably other places. Oh, sure. Sure. It's, 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 it's more than just, it's not, we're not talking about it. The Bible is a standalone thing. Right, So if we're going to talk about the Bible, we have to get rid of all our preconceived notions. We have to get rid of all of our prejudices, all the things that I uh, 
despised and that you despise about it because everything, even your perception of what God, the word God is, because you ask any atheist or anyone who says they don't believe in God or that they have, you ask a Christian, most devout Christian, what is God? Half of them will say Jesus Christ, which is absolutely ridiculous, even according to the first commandment, which says, take no other gods before me. Well, that wasn't Christ that said that, right? So you got this whole, the church is there to literally take away your spirit, to make you not understand the Bible, which is why, hey, Latin, why are they speaking in Latin? Why is the church reading the Bible in Latin when Latin is considered a dead language? Well, see, that's the problem. It's not dead. It's very much alive to your slave masters. It's very much alive in the courtroom. And English is said to be the slave language where you take the grammatical set of Latin and you put it to the English language. It's like teaching your dog to speak. The dog is, you know, your parrot to speak. Hello? Right? You're not actually saying anything because you don't know the meaning of the words. You don't know the origin and the source of the words. You think you're saying one thing. You're speaking in reality when, in fact, everything legal is a lie. It's fiction. And we have to be able to distinguish between these two systems. Why did I write this book? Because I found out that the Bible is a book of law. It's not a religion. Religions are built around things. Religion got built around the Bible. The Bible was there before religion. So take religion, put it away, because that's a prejudice that's been taught to you to make you hate the one thing that will actually make you free, which is an understanding. And it's not even understanding. It's a spiritual knowledge of that which is unchangeable, of that which is nature, of that which which is not man-made, right? Then you have the legal, the, the, the legal law, basically. Directly, 100% opposed to the Bible in every possible way. And the only way I began to understand that was to look, look at the Bible as an independent book forget all the things I thought I knew and start to understand why in every definition, specifically from Webster's 18, 1828 dictionary, which I highly recommend people get a copy of or find it online. Um, 1828 Webster's that's when Webster was still alive, right? Not the corporation that calls itself Webster now who's bastardized it to the point where it has no good information, no Bible quotes, nothing. Every definition in that book has a Bible quote because he understood that, and the, the you know, those who created this, this nation understood and have said in many quotes that, look, you can't have a government of people, of free people, unless they know the Bible, unless they know in and out the law of God, the law of nature. Now, a lot of your listeners are going to immediately cower away from that because when you start talking about this word God, 
it's it's just an instant like i said it's an it's like poking them with a stick right you you you, you i've lost so many listeners since i started speaking these you know like voldemort the unspoken word right jesus christ the unspoken word right jesus christ actually means jehovah is salvation right this word jehovah and i told you before the show i had this revelation f- that finally confirmed what i was trying to um tell, uh, make people understand what this word god means why it's used in the bible etc and why jehovah was actually taken out i'm going to pull something up here real quick because <laughs> i'm going to go to my webster's 1828 dictionary it's online it's a very very handy tool and i'm going to type in jehovah oh while you type that in i just want to say about dictionaries because this is really interesting when you break out that word you get diction and aries and aries is like the god of war so that's a it like the sort of definitions that people are stuck to is part of this commerce system that are I mean it essentially puts human beings or living souls into a state of war with one another through commerce or trying to exploit uh, others for you know their own resources. I have the quote in my book and I can't remember who said it but it was one of the things that helped me again understand he said simply that a civil war is a war of words. The civil war, a civil war is a war over words. And if you think about it, just like what you said, you know, that again, words in the legal realm are designed to give everything a persona, a mask, a, a falsity, an identity. And that word is very important because identity means sameness. If I claim to be Clint Richardson at this address with this social security number and this, you know, mark and this thing, I'm just adding to the fact that I'm not, I'm not of God. I'm not a, a, a free man on the land. I've got all these marks of the beast that make me a beast of burden. And I'm giving those to prove an identity that doesn't exist. Right in nature, in reality, yeah. we're talking about the fictional realm of the legal. Everything is a lie. Everything is fiction, and everything we do is simulation. If you think about it, right? I, I mean, it's amazing when you actually realize it and self-actualize it. But just for now, just start thinking about everything you do on a daily basis. It's all fiction. It's all based on identification first. And then whatever task you're set out to do, what is your job? You know, do you handle money in some way? Fiction. Money is fiction. Money is not real. It's not, it has no intrinsic value, right? It's mammon, right? The root of all evil is money. Well, yeah, but what does that actually mean? It means that you value reality in something that's fictional. I don't see that tree as some as a priceless part of nature or god jehovah i don't see uh livestock or even men anymore as priceless self-evident uh you know properties of god of jehovah i don't see them as that anymore i see them as commodities in commerce that i could pay a price for in mammon 
That's what mammon actually means. It's why you cannot have, live in both realms. You cannot have two gods, right? You either you either value something in its reality, in its in its beauty, and its self evidence, and in its its own right to exist because it is part of Jehovah. And remember that word exist. Or you value it as, as a commodity in money that can be enslaved and used to uh, to your heart's content, you know, to your to your whatever you want, right? So you have need and you have want, greed and all those sins, as they say over here. So that's what we're talking about. Now, when we go to Webster's, and I could, you know, you could go to the quotes section of this online page and read Webster's opinions, then my book as well, about um, how important the Bible was to learning and education. Um, and again, there is a reason why everybody's repulsed by the Bible, because the Bible is the one, you know, if you think about it, if, if, if the Bible is opposed to the system of law that controls us legally, you got to think that's a pretty important book that's giving you all of the outs. It's giving you all the things you can do to never get entrapped or enslaved or made free, that is, enfranchised by men in their corporate structures. Your soul can never be separated if you're following the, the natural or the law of nature, that is the law of God. Now, I am not suggesting that the Bible is the source of the law of God. God, Jehovah is the source. Existence itself is the source. Now let me read you so that we have an understanding. Why is it that when I go back, I see the word Jehovah? And, you know, before anybody says anything, no, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I have nothing to do with Jehovah's Witness or any other religion. I grew up Methodist. Uh, you know, I have, I have no affiliation to anyone or anything. That is what allows me to speak the truth to seek, seek out all truth, not just the truth that benefits my, you know, and I guess that's why I'm unpopular because when I, when I say things, uh, people don't like it because it's the truth. People don't like the truth. The truth movement doesn't like the truth. When you point out, when you point out the flaws and the lies and the misquotes in the truth movement, I guarantee you no author. And I've tried, I've tried to get G Edward Griffin and all those guys to change their books because all of their books are based on lies, provable lies. The Federal Reserve, for instance, had to create a fact section just to satisfy all the people that were asking them questions. Hey, Fed, are you as bad as they say they are? Do you do this? Do banks own you? No, of course they don't. Banks don't own the Fed. That's ridiculous. It's, of course we're a federal entity. What the hell are you thinking? We're, who created us? Congress. What do you think we are? Right, so they actually had to create this this fact just to, and you you show that to these guys, you, you know, and what happens? I you know I had a I had a forum on on there was a forum on Ron Paul's website, and back when I was when I was doing CAFERS and just looking in corp, at the corporate structure and learning legal and all this stuff, I started point I started pointing this stuff out. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't true. This this whole fiction this whole history that you've created uh and, and are calling it truth just doesn't exist it's, it's all false and the response on the ron paul forum was we better look at this guy 
he doesn't seem to have very much of an audience. And indeed, I, you know, I don't because I'm, because <laughs> I tell the truth. And so, you know, you, you, what was their response? Oh, well, we probably don't have to worry about this ever getting out, this truth ever getting out to the Ron Paul people. Because, of course, Ron Paul is a big Federal Reserve guy. What a fraud that guy is. Um, you know, he, <laughs> That was their response. Their response was to ban me from their website to to say, ah, he's, he's not big enough. He doesn't have a big enough audience to make a difference. Anyway, let's just ignore it and move on, right? And that's been my experience throughout most of this so-called alternative movement. Trust me when I say there's more corruption in the alternative uh, than the mainstream. There's just not the same amount of money, you know, changing hands. So... Back to the subject. When uh, I guess my point is, I, don't get caught up in it like I did. Don't get caught up in the mystery and the the lies and the what we call patriot mythologies because they're just they're just not true. And I, you know, I I exposed enough of them and got banned enough to know. Yeah, you don't you don't go against the mainstream, which in alternative is just the the people that are that have always been there. Basically, you don't go against them. If you do, you're not going to be on their networks. You're not going to be on their their websites. You know all, all that stuff. So what I what I found is that the word Jehovah or YHVH. Now some people will say, no, you must say Yahweh, or you must say it this way. You must say it that way. Um, I cover that in my show. Um, Yahova, Y-E, uh, refers to, uh, is always a reference to Jehovah. That's why Jesus is Y-E, Y-E, uh, yeah, yeah, Yahshua, right? So that Yah always represents the term Jehovah in all, uh, names, especially the Jewish culture, right? So you... You have this term that was in the Bible 6,000 times. More than 6,000 times you had Jehovah. Now, the king and other sources of all these newfangled Bibles, these New Age Bibles, went in and replaced the word Jehovah with words like king, lord, uh, god. And so now we 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 have this religious system that worships god not jehovah not the actual name of god right that was in the bible and got taken away and the catholic church is one of the biggest ones that hides this from people but they replaced it with these words lord and god the problem is they also replaced hey here's a here's a king let's call him a god or a lord right little g uh Here's here's a man in power. Let's because because the definition of God it's a generic term. It means magistrate. It could be a mayor all the way up to a president, a king, a, a magistrate, a, any 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 person in power, or I should say any person. And I'm saying person, not man. Person status. Any status, any artificial status that you consider higher than you, that gives you orders, that, that controls you, is actually your God. That's the true meaning of the word. It's your Lord. The, you know, the English, uh, the queen actually came out and said, you must call judges as Lord. It's the law. 
judges are lords. Well, how, you know, how do you know? How do you know when you're going through the Bible then whether the Bible is talking about the one true God that is existence or a man? How do you know? And you, the answer is you don't. Why did God kill all these people? Well, he didn't. It was a, it was a king. That, that a king was called God. And to prove that, you can go look at any, almost any court case from the early, early to late 1800s, even into the 1900s early, all the way back, judges were called gods. All right? You, you, you didn't plea. You prayed to the judge. You prayed to the god on the bench. The bench means bank. Right? The judge is ultimately the banker. So in those ancient, or, or I should say older documents where they're, you know, typing out the, the court case, literally, and, and in dictionaries and everywhere else, every other source you can imagine, you will find that people used to, and still do, it's just that the words have changed and we're so dumbed down that we don't realize what we're doing. We are praying to God which is the judge, but now it's called pleading to the administrator or the judge, right? So the language has changed. The words we use have changed, but their intent and meaning has remained the same. So when we go to court, we're speaking Latin. We don't even know it. We're, we're, we're on this dumbed-down Latin. They're hearing the Latin or the law Latin, which is the the high Latin, we're speaking in this, what they call dog Latin, because dog represents a four-footed beast, and we have no idea what we're saying, and that's why nobody can win in court, because you have no idea what the hell you're actually saying, and you also have to realize that if you're in court, especially if you've already hired an attorney, you've, you've, you've already lost, because you've already admitted to being a ward of the state. You've already admitted to being in a status or a person that the court has jurisdiction over, right? There's no persons in reality. There's no persons. There is no status. And that's why it says in the Declaration of Independence and so many other sources in the Bible, all men are created equal. Why do you say that? Why do people say such things? Why do people say the truth will set you free. It's straight out of the Bible. Why don't you give the Bible credit? Why do you say so many things straight out of the freaking Bible and then at the same time hate this book? Well, it's because you've never read it, and you've certainly never read it in the correct form, which would be to apply the Greek, the Latin, the Hebrew, the Chaldean, all those different texts uh, you know, to go to the lexicons, go to the concordances, see what the intent of the word is. See that it's all metaphoric. And see, that's the, that's the hard part. When you're talking to Christians and we're talking to these people who've put this flattering title upon themselves, when the Bible says uh, don't, and Christian in the Bible is actually an insult, there's no reason that any, any man who's ever read the Bible should ever call themselves a Christian. Because it was, it was basically a reference to exactly what you have today, which are a bunch of people who are lying to themselves, who are taking a flattering title, saying, I'm a Christian, and then committing every sin 
that the Bible tells you not to. In other words, breaking every law that the Bible tells you not to, right? And yeah, that is the, the, the literal, the literal, uh, literalism is a big problem with trying it's, to understand the text. And it huge. definitely is a big source of division. And people assume whenever someone talks about the Bible that, oh, you're one of these literalists as well. And they might tune you out. And hopefully that's not happening with our audience here. And <laughs> they're curious because, man, we're just getting started on. Oh, yeah. It, like I said, it's a huge, huge learning curve. I mean, it really is because for one thing, you're already against yourself. You've already, you've already decided like I did probably if, 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 if most of you are like, like most of us, right. That we hate, we hate religion because of, of all its history and it's bloody, you know, all the things that, that religions have done organized men, but see, those are corporations. And that was a big, big thing for me to realize, yeah, you know, all churches are corporations they're, they're not real. Just like a state is a people, the true church are the men of God, the men who are following the example of Christ, which is, again, an allegory for the law of God. So, and that brings us into what these were, what these terms mean. Because remember, in the concordance, when we're looking up, well, what is this Jesus Christ thing? What is the allegory? What is the metaphor? What does it mean? Well, Jesus Christ, back to Plato, back to... Back to Logos, back to what Jesus Christ is supposed to actually be. You say it's the personification of the law or word of God. Word, law, and son all mean the same thing. If I say the son of God, I mean the law of God. If I say the word of God, I mean the law of God. And by God, I'm saying Jehovah, right? Why am I saying Jehovah? So before I get to that, what is Jesus Christ? Is it a historical character? No. No, I'm sorry. I, I can't in good conscience even, you know, there's not even a 1% or a point zero zero one percent part of me that says, yeah, this is all history. There's no history in the Bible. There are no dates. There are no times. There's nothing, it, right? Even the genealogical parts aren't genealogy. There's something completely different, which I won't get into. So you're... <laughs> you're talking about a timeless document because when we're talking about Jehovah, YHVH, this ancient term that existed way before the Bible did, and, and you know, back in the Socrates and Plato and all these different uh, ancient authors, philosophers and stuff, they were speaking of Logos long before the Bible ever existed, right? Logos meaning that which extends from the universe or from from existence itself from 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 the timeless nature of existence it's it's a beautiful concept once you get it and see here's the kicker jehovah and if you can get this you can understand just about everything because i've had two really important revelations lately that have helped me to even understand what I already did understand, but it just sort of confirmed it, if you will. Jehovah, the scripture name of the supreme being. If as is supposed, the name is from the Hebrew substantive verb. The word denotes permanent being. 
as the primary sense of the substantive verb in all languages is to be fixed, to stand, to remain, or to abide. This is the name peculiarly appropriate to the eternal spirit, the unchangeable God who describes himself thusly, I am that I am from Exodus 3.14, right? Um, so Jehovah is a verb. It's listed as a noun, but the word itself is a verb, okay? It's the only time where the word God or Lord or anything else is used in the, in the, in the verbal form. All that is right now in being, the supremacy of being, existence itself, all that is self-evident, all that is self-existent, meaning not created by man. Right? That includes words. Right? Words are created by men. Letters, numbers, symbols, idols, statues, any art, any technology. Because guess what? Art and technology? What do you think the matrix is? It's art. Well, no, it's technology. They're the same word. Technology, you look up technology in the older dictionaries, it just says art. Wow. So... <laughs> That's something I want to get into a little bit in uh, the second hour. Sorry to cut in here, but we, we're hitting that first hour mark, and I like to do a hard break there and sure. uh, let you have a chance to tell people where to find your stuff. I didn't even know you had a, a video channel, so that's something I'm going to be oh. get, getting into myself. But uh, we'll take our hard break here. I'm super glad that we are finishing on this idea of Jehovah or God or nature being a verb, not a noun, because that's going to, that's something I want to definitely continue expanding on. Um, Most spiritual concepts you will ever, uh, in, in my life, I can't say it for you, for anybody else, but the most spiritual thing that ever happened to me was to understand this word. From that point, everything else became understandable or clear. The intention, the intention behind the word is everything. Absolutely. Well, Clint, remind people where to find your stuff. Uh, well, uh, I, my blog, which I've been doing for, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years, uh, is realityblogger.wordpress.com. Uh, all my work is free. All my documentaries are free and on YouTube. There's two YouTube channels. One is The Corporation Nation. And my newer channel is called Red Pill Sunday School, which um, has my uh, first season, which is about 26 shows of independent radio, not on any network, so I can say what I want, you know. And then this new season I'm doing, I just got done reading my second, my third book, actually, People don't know I have three books, but I can't afford to, you know, I don't, I don't have the audience. I don't have any way to really print them uh, like I did the first book. So put them out there, hope the people get them. But in this case, I actually read it and commented and made it into a, about a 15 hour presentation and it's on the corporate structure and what that means. Um, again, that's red pill Sunday school and that's in season two. And there's also the first show is about this, what we're talking about now, which is Jehovah, um, includes a documentary. So 
Uh, other than that, the book can be found and downloaded for free because, uh, again, all my stuff's free um, at strawmanstory.info. At strawmanstory.info. Download the book if you want a, a copy. You know, I printed 2,000 books because I didn't think I could ever get rid of more than that. And I still have those, of course, after a couple of years. Um, so if you want a hard copy for, you know, not approved by church and state, <laughs> it's basically an illegal book because it has no marks and no, uh, it's not, it's not approved and it's not registered and it's not, it's like literally holding in your hands a piece of uh, like a pamphlet or something that's, that's not approved by government. It's kind of cool that I can say that, but you know, um, <laughs> it's, but it's also a giant, it's 1200 pages reference goes through the legal language, goes through the, goes through the, uh, the Bible language and, 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 in the capacity that it does and explains, you know, why we've all, how we've been all deceived and why, why, you know, we hate what we should love and love what we should hate. So, man, that's it. Well, I'm excited to get back into it on hour two, but we'll pause this recording for now. And thanks for being here, man. I sure. appreciate what you're doing. And I totally recognize the, tr the difficulty in gaining an audience whenever you're going against everything that people have, been and trained to believe their whole life so uh you, you're you're doing amazing things man so appreciate, you're much appreciated thanks man all right people we made it through an amazing episode and now i'm in one of these positions where it's like what do i even say to add to what was just said and <laughs> you probably think it's weird that i have so little to say because uh, in this episode i pretty much did like 10 percent of the talking and that's not a normal ratio for me i usually am a lot more verbose but when someone can flow like Clint flows in this topic, I just want to let it happen, especially because look at the first book that he wrote and how big it is. I mean, strawmanstory.info is where you can find it and it is for free. And this is like an 1100 page book that is a huge reference textbook about these topics that we're getting into today. Uh, I hope that you guys do go get Clint's book, even if it takes you a few years to read through it. Just get into it start familiarizing yourself with these concepts because <laughs> as uh, santos Bonacci says anyone who has a birth certificate is catholic period the birth certificate is a parson which makes you a person and a parson is one who looks after catholic property so by representing this corporate version of ourselves you're literally agreeing that your physical body is the property of the crown and that you are the caretaker slash slave that is the upkeeper of that. Is that really what you want to be on legal terms? I don't think that's what I want to be. And how we get out of that is a big question, but it's going to take a lot more people knowing about it for it to work because I don't think it's very easy to maintain sovereignty all by ourselves. We're going to each need at least some manner of village or tribe to get out of the system and start working our own, our own uh, sovereignty, right? So Killing the straw man is step one for sure, but <laughs> uh, I want to pivot over to talking about the community around Interverse for a second. I really appreciate all the messages I've been getting the last week or two. I'm really all this summer, lots of communication from you guys, really supportive emails and people dropping in the Discord to talk to me, and I really love it. Uh, this is what I always wanted. I've been doing this show for a few years, and it's taken... A few years to get to the point where maybe I'm authentic enough that 
cool people are drawn to me and want to talk to me. I don't know. But this type of topic of uh, exploring natural law, as we talk about in this episode and hopefully a lot of other ones, that's really what has made me get more authentic as a person. And I think that it's the thing that's keeping the world in a state of artificiality. One of the most amazing concepts that we talked about in the plus extension and that it's early on in Clint's book is the idea of ambiguity versus definition, which is the idea that you, if you have a name, you can be owned and controlled. So by nature, we are ambiguous. We're all just living souls. And whenever we're in a really good place and a good flow state, maybe like an awesome music festival where you're just cruising around and meeting all kinds of people. Do you even really need to exchange names with the people you're around when you're all of one mind in a sense, you're all in accord of being there for the same reason and wanting to keep the vibe positive and enjoy life. Really understanding the difference between natural law and the legal fiction has everything to do with uh, also keeping ourselves pure and keeping nature pure. The whole goddess thing that I talked about in the pre-intro intro, which we don't really refer to the goddess a lot in this conversation with Clint, but it's important to know that the goddess is nature and the physical world and the vessels that hold the energy of the god or consciousness itself. And our bodies then are symbolically related to the earth itself. And the, the reason the earth is getting so trashed is because we trash our bodies, because we look at the bodies as our property when in a sense, they are actually a property of nature, <laughs> which is a really important distinction. The fact that you look at property as something that you have rights to, that you've been given license to or entitlement to, when in truth, property is the expression, something that is an expression of something else, like a quality of something. So we are qualities or expressions of nature. And in that sense, we're also not able to own nature as property, like the legal system professes to be possible. And... There's <laughs> probably this episode's too long, so I better start trying to talk about some of the other things I wanted to get in and not just go and go and go on this because we'll have more conversations like it in the future. And a three plus hour episode is good enough for sure. But I will say the government itself as a concept is actually there to grant people license or fake rights to do things that they don't have in nature, like a soldier has the license to kill, right? You hear that about 007. Uh, police officers also have license to kill in some sense or license to take people and put them in a cage for doing something that's against the different statutes and codes of the uniform commercial code system that we're under in this commerce world. So if a person doesn't have the right to go put another person in a cage or to kill another person in nature, and we know that it's a self-evident thing because our conscience tells us we don't have the right to do that, then how can we have a, a body or a, a fake artificial system like government that can grant licenses to people to do these things that are against nature? It's really basic, but that's the, sim the funny thing about natural law is it's super simple, but the legal system is absurdly complex with millions of codes and statutes and things. That's part of how it it dazzles people and keeps them in illusion. They just don't even understand it. And there's so much about it that is not understood. And who wants to go spend all the time they need to take to learn law? And, you know, maybe you don't really need to learn this entire thing that Clint's teaching, but it's important to realize that the real ego that needs to be dealt with is not the, the personality of you as a human being. It's the 
personification of a fake corporate entity, which is the name that is in all capital letters, the straw man. <laughs> man, there's so much to this, but uh, I want to quote a, a book that I've been reading lately called Spirit World, The Blackest of All Magic. I've talked about the Spirit World series a bunch. Look that up. Spirit World, W-H-I-R-L-E-D. Three books. Maybe a quicker read than Clint's read and has some other stuff in it that's not in Clint's book. More on the astrotheology side. But in this book, he says, Don't slumber in the nightmare generated by your enemies. Judges in civil law are inquisitors, which means you are being summoned by the Inquisition. Many of you are starting to stir in your coffins, yet unable to lift the lids. Some have even broken out, but still run around in the darkness of the crypt, having no clue what's really going on. You might rant and rave about globalism, but do you really know how deep it goes? And that's the question that people need to realize. How how deep does this go? What What is the origin of this? Like, how did we get to where we're at today with this idea of a one world government taking over? And it does go back to the same sorcerer priestcraft as the Vatican was putting on the people long ago and has continued to do. I'm not saying the Vatican's the bottom of the barrel, but like when it, it they're they're way deep into this. <laughs> you can learn a lot by studying that organization. And symbolically they are the the crown, the regis in the law system. They do technically on paper own all the stuff, but that's fictional. We gotta keep that in mind. We're talking about fictions. So uh, to continue quoting from that same book, he says, look at how many words have connections to regis, the Latin word for king, which apparently comes from Sanskrit word raja. From regulations to registration, R-E-G, regulation, registration. If you are taxed, you are registered. And he actually quotes Clint in this book. He says, Clint stated that a citizen subject to government is completely bound by whatever law government makes and whatever belief government subscribes to. In the context of our condition under the law of persons in the U.S. Code, Clint also stated, by being a bonded surety, a straw man, strawminius homo, you are responsible in a performance debt and a contract of citizenship to ensure that the citizen, the person that you are acting in, the straw man, follows the law. So <laughs> it does all connect to this idea of a crown and the coronavirus that is going around right now. That's a big crown connection it's an assault on our sovereignty our sovereignty is what's trying to emerge in this time and i think it will emerge i don't think we should be scared of it i think we should just get real about it and the more real we can get about it the quicker we can move through the maya and get our imaginations on hijacked because what's really going on is the imaginations being hijacked the nefarious aspect of art <laughs> terms of art as clint talks about this is uh, definitions that create an, what appears to be an art, but it's not the same kind of art as creative expression that's just done for the sake of it, the joy in it. Um, it's the difference between an art that's made out of love and an art that's made out of fear. So love as an expression, as an energy or force in nature, is the part of consciousness that recognizes the possibilities, the infinite possibilities of all things and tries to nurture and allow for the growth of any of those possibilities through free will, where fear is the attempt to control things down to a single outcome. So uh, do the terms of your art, the way that you speak, the definitions you hold for words, 
Do you try to control people and control the external world and control nature and force it into the single outcome that you believe you need? And if you don't have, you're afraid of what would happen? Or do you love and allow all things? And do you let the goddess go? Do you let the things that you love go and watch them come back around in the natural cycle of things and always return to you? Because that's actually the truth of love is love lets go. And what the object of your love is, well, the magnetism of that isn't going to just dissipate because you're not clenching onto it and trying to keep it, hold on to it. So just try to find the ways in your reality where in your personal behavior, where whatever your art is and speak, speech is one of the foundational terms of art, <laughs> types of art, whatever that is, are you attempting to constrict and control the outcomes of the external or are you expressing the love of the free will of nature itself and of the people around you and trying to nurture their free will. And, you know, that's, this is the last thing I'll say on it, but your in your inner sovereignty, your inner ability to, uh, I don't want to say self-control, but I, that's the best phrase for it, but just self-governance, I guess, um, treating yourself <laughs> like the fact that you are a property of nature and respecting your body, the way you should respect nature People are all about like environmental causes now, but a lot of those same people are not necessarily uh, worried about the inner terrain, the inner environment. And it's the same thing in this fractal correspondence universe. So if nothing else, we should hopefully remember that and that the way to get out of artificiality and to stop doing what's being done to nature is to stop doing it to ourselves first. And it's the only way it will ever stop. Which means we got to know what the game is that we are playing unless we are able to just get out of it completely. And like James Maddie, who I talked to recently, um, there's a live stream that I went out with him. He's also known as Mindful Expansion. He got out into Costa Rica. He's working with just a few people that he lives with now, farming and setting up the fruits they need, getting their water sovereignty going. Even even with the fact that they might still be registered to the Regis, to the king in that country, they're still setting up systems where if everything ab about that registration system collapsed, the, if the king was dead, if you will, they would still have the water sovereignty. They'd still have the plants right there. They're not waiting for the food trucks to come. That's what it really means to start with yourself to build the sovereignty. And yeah, you might need to keep learning about these things that about how the straw man and the fake self works, but and it might help you to help other people to know this stuff, or you might just be curious about how the con has been done. But at the end of the day, all you really need to know is that it that society as it's designed is a straight up con and you can just not participate to the degree that you're capable. I mean, I participate in a lot of ways still, so I'm not trying to like preach at you, but this is this is the path forward for humanity. Oh my gosh, I've been talking a while for this outro. I'm really into this topic. I talked about it with Heather Elizabeth also in another live stream. You've probably seen those come through on the feed because I've already posted them. But before we get out of here, I'll tell you a little bit more about this epic two-hour plus extension because I really want you to hear it. $5 a month is not expensive at all, especially considering how much content I've been putting out lately, which hopefully I can keep that up, but you know, no promises. <laughs> the more support I get, the more I can keep up a lot of content. That's for sure. Patreon.com forward slash universe is where you get it. And in this plus extension, we talked about looking at the Bible like you would look at the Lord of the Rings as an allegory of natural law, not literally. And I thought that was fun. We talked about some interesting ways of seeing it that way. 
and we discussed ambiguity and verse definition with that demonology idea that that which has a name can be owned and controlled talked about public versus private land ownership property <laughs> the idea of property kind of i already talked about that a little bit how the how the vatican perverts the uh, property idea and papal bulls and the dictatorship <laughs> true meaning of the antichrist and who it is that was an interesting one what the real meaning of god or jehovah is and what is truth itself we talked about the actual meaning of the new world order and how the new age movement relates to it and we discussed allegorical movies like the matrix and they live and also how the original script was changed in the matrix and the message was diluted all around we we kind of wrapped up towards discussing how our consent creates the illusion and that's the actual thing that powers the whole ship so that's it people um i need to get off of here and do other things <laughs> i want to get this episode out to you i've been sitting on it for a while uh, i'm going to play us out with a song by martin's garden called and you will see and martin's garden this off this album that's called below and it's got all this aquatic symbolism i thought it was kind of appropriate for what we're talking about right now but martin's garden is a great artist from switzerland i do recommend it and i have linked his music in the show notes as well and that's it i'm gonna go oh hey if you want to help the show besides getting on patreon you can also leave a five-star review on itunes that's a pretty good thing to do but yeah all right much love you guys talk to y'all soon and bye bye